The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. Shocking history of Prince Dracula and the woman he loved. I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Yeah, Dracul. There is a sinister, darker side to him. I find irresistible. I have never met any man with such a passion for life. He is unlike any man. What are you? Vampires do exist. This one we fight, this one we face. Can take on many forms. He is both young and old. He can appear as mist, as vapor, as the fog. And he can vanish at will. Oh, my love. The power of his evil desire has no end. You've got to go to him. You've got to love him. She is a willing recruit and devoted disciple. She is the devil's concubine. Join me in the eternal life. Your salvation is his destruction. I want to see what you see. I want to love what you love. Take me away from all this death. mistake. He must be stopped. All right, guys, Jimbo here. Um, Before we get on with today's episode, which Kyle and I have recorded earlier, um, there's some things I'd like to mention uh, real quick at the beginning of this podcast. So uh, first off, we have a new review. Uh, it's titled Great Content. This is five stars from the Evil Never Dies podcast. Um, if you love movies, this is the podcast for you. Very inform- informative with all the info the hosts Jimbo and Kyle have very well researched. Keep up the good works. So that's from our good friends at the Evil Never Dies podcast. In correlation with that, um, I'd like to uh, let everybody know that uh, those guys will be doing a yard haunt uh, around Halloween time, it will be at the Count Karabi's Haunted Museum. It is the yard haunt for 2022, and they have released the dates for those, and that is Friday, October 28th, and October 29th from 8.30 p.m. to midnight. Uh, the address is 912 Blandon Street, B-L-A-N-D-I-N Street. Uh, it's in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so if anybody is in the area, any of our listeners or anybody would like to travel down there, they were looking for some actors to help with the haunt, um, some volunteers. Um, and the good thing about this is they're not taking any monetary donations. I'm sure they'll take donations uh, monetarily, but, 
Um, what those guys decided to do is, I believe, uh, the last I heard, is just take a uh, canned food or something. They want to donate all the uh, canned food products to a local shelter there or something, and uh, you, that way you can get in and see the haunt for free. So um, if you guys would uh, go support them, uh, they're good friends of the podcast, uh, and the Tragedy of Cinema did ship some stuff down there uh, to help with the yard haunt, so some skeletons and stuff. And you can see uh, what we sent on their YouTube channel or on Facebook at the Evil Never Dies podcast. Uh, guys, we love you, and I'm proud of you. Keep up the good work. So I just wanted to throw those two things in here at the beginning of this, since this is uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I know Carl is a big vampire fan, so hopefully I don't hurt his feelings too much during the review of this movie. So uh, with that being said, let's get on to the main episode. Later. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo, and joined once again by... The vampiric co-host, Kyle Zena. Oh, oh, this is going to be a fun episode if he starts talking to his Transylvanian voice for his whole notes. <laughs> yeah, whole notes. Yes. <laughs> Can't pronounce English names, but he'll do his best Transylvanian. So, yes, this is episode 114. We'll be talking about the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. Um, Kyle, before we get started. Questions. What have you never yes. Who would you consider your top three favorite... Uh, actors that have played Dracula. Robert Patterson. <laughs> oh, wow. I said Dracula, not vampires. <laughs> they played Dracula. Uh, Christopher Lee, obviously. Uh, top. Um, Christopher Lee's top. Um, no, I disagree. Uh, Bella Lugosi's probably top. I don't think Bella Lugosi makes the top three necessarily. Uh, get out of the studio. You're, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. No, don't look it up. I, I, Leslie I, Nielsen and Dracula Dead. <laughs> yes, easy too. Leslie Nielsen. Right didn't there. Andy yes. Warhol play Dracula? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he did. I, no, I, I, I think it was a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it Andy Warhol. <laughs> Let me look that up. Oh, you're going to look it up now. I'm oh, look no, it up. looking it up. Now we look it up. Actors who play Dracula. <laughs> no, I'm just going to see if uh, if he mm-hmm. actually did play him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think he did. Um, mm hmm. Yes, it was the Blood for Dracula from 1974. I knew it was something like that. Or was he, oh, he's also in Young Dracula? Young Dracula. Ooh. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to put Bella Lugosi at the top. Gary Oldman did a really good job in this movie. Yeah. But um, I don't... Gary Oldman is great in almost everything that he does. Um, because if you've ever seen those... He's done Commissioner Gordon... Uh, he's done um, one in the Planet of the Apes remakes um, where he played uh, I oh, can't remember the name yes of he the, was I don't remember the name actor either, but, yeah. but everything that he's played that in that second round of remakes not the last remake the second round of remakes <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so uh, definitely good stuff so Kyle for preparation of this movie mm-hmm. I started reading the book four days ago the original book the Bram Stoker the Bram Stoker because I wanted to know how true this movie was to the actual book. Instead of just looking it up online, I was dumb enough to actually read it. Um, uh, Sadly, uh, four days of me with a 430-page book wasn't quite feasible. I got about 70% through. I would think it's like 15 hours of reading. I'm all the way up to where Lucy has died. They've killed Lucy. Uh... In her event housing, and it killed her. <laughs> right. And uh, now they're setting the plot to go hunt down Dracula. So, um, very interesting about this movie, well, the book and the movie, is the book is not a book as you would think of as a book. It's it's more of just letters, mm-hmm. uh, like Jonathan Harker to Mina, uh, Mina to Lucy, Lucy to Mina, Van Helsing, uh, Seward's Journal. Um, telegrams, uh, stuff like that. So it's very interesting. It's yeah, it's to a collection read. of documents that like right. you can figure the story in your head together. Like Fantastic read. Yeah, and so I also, I even purchased an audiobook who has the guy that played Nightcrawler in X Men playing John Seward. That's cool. And playing none other than Abraham Van Helsing, Tim Curry. What? Yes. Yeah, so oh, I gotta get the audiobook. Yeah, now. Tim so, Curry playing Van. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, this, but I'm only like I said seventy percent through. But uh, um, so I looked up the differences between the book and the movie, which I'll give at the end. So Kyle, let's go ahead and take away Bram Stoker's 
Dracula. Okay, well, we have a whole lot here because this movie is big, had a lot of rewards and a lot of facts here. So I'm going to go through this and probably get lost. We'll see how it goes. But we have Dracula released in 1992. Were you born yet, Kyle? Uh, yes, uh, oh. I was not born, actually. Um, <laughs> Haha! See, you still weren't born yet? No, I still wasn't born. I was born in 93. Yeah. Man. I know, right? 93. Yeah, yeah. Almost 29 now. <laughs> Yeah, um, directed by the legendary Francis Ford Coppola. Um, directed a whole lot of other movies. I believe it was like oh, we'll say Vietnam film they made forever. Uh, Godfather, Godfather was one. No, no, I was going to mention the Vietnam movie first. <laughs> the Godfather trilogy, of course. We'll mention that. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola, very popular director. If you don't know, you will know. <laughs> um, writers, of course, for the original novel was with Bram Stoker, and then for the screenplay adaptation, we have James V. Hart doing the screenplay adaptation. Producer was Francis Ford Coppola also. Um, Fred Futch and Charles Mulville. Cinematographer was Michael Ballhaus. Casting director was Victoria Thomas. For the budget of the film, the budget was $40 million in 1992. A very modest budget, even for the time. Um, Adjusted for inflation would be worth about $84.4 million today. So once again, like I said, a modest movie by today's standards um, in 1992, especially. Um, opening weekend, though, it grossed only $30.5 million. And just for inflation, that's about $63.3 million. So not the huge earner for the first opening weekend. But um, it made it back in gross for the U.S. and Canada. It made $82.5 million, which is equivalent to about $174 today. And then gross worldwide, where it made the big money, where it made $215 million in gross worldwide, which would be equivalent to about four hundred and. $35.6 million in today's money. Um, I feel kind of weird doing the inflation calculation nowadays because inflation this year just got so out of control that it's either really sad to look it up or I don't even know if it's accurate anymore. Or the what the inflation calculator doesn't go that yeah, high. It, doesn't go that high. Like, it just off breaks. The it's like, what happened in 2022? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> the calculator just says sorry now. I'm really makes <laughs> me sad. Um, yeah, yeah. So doing budgets like that, I might have to change that in the future. We'll see. Um, moving up here, we have. I'm going to go straight into the cast and do that. Then I'll move on to the awards and technical specs later. But we have the legendary Gary Oldman playing Dracula. <laughs> I, know, I said intentionally. Um, um, Gary Oldman, of course, <laughs> um, best known for a ton of movies. Um, let's see. He was in the, um, uh, I guess, like, most recognizable in the modern and, and the current um, decade, like the, the the Batman Nolan trilogy, the Nolan North Batman trilogy from 2005-2012. Um, the antagonist in the fifth element in 1997. Also, um, Leon the Professional, I believe, in the early 90s. Um, Lost in Space in 98, one of my favorite childhood films. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. I know, I know, right? Yeah, I gotta make you feel old for a minute. <laughs> Yeah. Um, next up here we have Wyona Ryder, of course, the legendary Wyona Ryder playing um, Mina Murray or Elisa Betta. Elisa Betta, the past version, Dracula's first wife, um, and Mina Murray in the majority of the film. Um, Wyona Ryder, of course, um, known for movies such as Beetlejuice, which we covered just recently, and uh, that was a great film, fun film to cover. We did there. that at our live show. Yep. And the, um, the second to latest um, remake of Little Women in 1994. Um, she's also, of course, doing the film, the show Stranger Things from 2016 to ongoing. So that's cool stuff going on there. You know, my writer, um, fantastic actress. Next up, we also have the legendary, I'm going to say legendary a lot here for a lot of these guys. Actually, I just realized we have the legendary Anthony Hawkins. Anthony Hawkins is, of course, just an insanely well-known actor, you know, top of top of the world of like well-known actors, probably um, around the same you know company as like Tom Hanks and everyone else too in that world. For like, you know, everyone knows Anthony Hawkins. Um, of course, such films as Sounds of the Lambs in 1991, The Edge in 1997, and films like World's Fastest Indian in uh, I think it was like 2006. I forgot to write down the year there. Next up, we have. Oh, Stop me for this before. Legendary actor Keanu Reeves <laughs> playing Jonathan Harker. <laughs> Is Keanu legendary? I, oh yes. You Keanu, put him yes. in the same category as Anthony Hopkins? No. Yeah, actually, I would. I totally no. would. Totally would. No, yeah, you, no. you can't. Reeves is great. Reeves he's is great, great, but you can't put him as a legendary actor I next think he's to a legendary actor. Who hasn't seen The Matrix, Jimbo? I mean, what? Come on. The Matrix or Speed? Come on. Speed how about is great. How about Matrix Reloaded? <laughs> Revolution. Those are 
<laughs> legendary. Are legendary. I think those are still really good. I think they hold up. I think I think came back to them. I think they're really good. Yeah. Uh, Did you watch the new what Matrix? About John movie? Wick. Oh yeah, it was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, I forgot the title of it. <laughs> <laughs> Matrix Four. <laughs> yeah. Four tricks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the latest Smash movie was actually probably the best one. Um, just gonna leave that there. Uh, of course, also Speed 1994 and uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's most I did like Bill and adventure Ted. and also Bill and Ted Face the Music, an amazing movie. I did watch that one. That Face pretty the Music was, was great. I like that a lot. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, what's it? I, I, I'm gonna drop the legendary now. <laughs> Richard E. Grant playing Doctor Jack Stewart. Uh, oh my gosh! I wait. It's, I said Anthony Hankins in the movie. I didn't say his role. Professor Abraham von Helsing. Did you just call him Hankins? Professor Anthony Hawkins? I said Hankins? Abraham Anthony Hawkins playing von Helsing. (laughs) Abraham Helsing? What am I saying? Words are hard. Anthony Hawkins plays Professor Abraham von Helsing. Uh, Great. I I love that. (laughs) Von Helsing. What a great character. Um, Just a great character in history. All kind of medium. I love him. Um, Okay. Still, Richie Grant plays Dr. Jack Seward. Um, Richie Grant, such movies as Grotsford Park in 2001. Hudson Hawk in 1991 and Warlock in 1989. Hudson Hawk, wow. I know, I haven't thought of that movie in a long time. Um, next up we have Carrie um, Elwes. It's Carrie Elwes, right? That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> Carrie Elwes. Okay, thanks for correcting me, Jimbo, not saying a word. Um, because I Carrie don't want to say the wrong thing. plays Lord Arthur Holmwood. Better known um, for? Uh, uh, the Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. In and also Robin Hood and Men in Tights, also in 1987. Also Saw. Oh, yeah, and Saw in yeah, the, the 2004. Yes, good internet. Rest care for the Saw movies, even though I own them all. <laughs> why? It's because you own everything. They were on sale. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reason why they were on sale and I own them. Only guy I know is that has a library of 20,000 movies and watched 30. I, I think it's like less than 20%, and I do own about three uh, 3,000, roughly. Um, okay, next up we have Billy, Hamble, Billy Campbell playing Quincy B. Morris. Um, Billy Campbell was such films as The Rocketeer in 1991. An incredibly underrated film. The Rocketeer was a great movie. What? First she is. said... The Lost in Space movie, and now you followed up with Rocketeer. Uh, I like them both a lot. God, your millennialism showing. It, it is, and I'm going to wear it with pride. <laughs> and also, he was in Ghost Town in 2008. Uh, next up here, I'm going to keep the guys a little bit short because I have to cut it off a little bit earlier. Uh, we have Sadie Frost playing Lucy um, West, Western West. Westenra, Westenra, Lucy Westenra is the character name. I got the name, the real name right, Sadie Frost. She was in the movie Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, a film largely loathed by everyone. I don't think anyone actually liked that movie. And I don't know if it was good or not. I watched it like once when it came out in 2004, and I never watched it again. So I, but I, you I, own it. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> um, she was also in the movie Final Cut in 1998. I own that whale. Um, a character I didn't even realize was in the... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, a character I... It, I <laughs> I always fail to recognize him when he's in a movie, but then I go back and I'm like, oh, of course, that's who it was. Um, Tom Waits plays R.M. Renfield. Um, Tom Waits, he was the he was the character that was in the um, the insane asylum right. eating flies. Yeah, um, Tom Waits is also in such films as Seven Psychopaths in 2012, um, Licorice Pizza in uh, 2021, which was a huge um, quickly acclaimed movie. I haven't watched around yet. Licorice but you Pizza. own it. <laughs> I, actually, I don't own that. One oh, hasn't gone yet. on sale. Hasn't gone on sale. Um, um, the movie, uh, the latest movie I do own that he stars in is. The Dead Don't Die in 2019, which is a horror movie, a, a zombie movie that makes fun of zombie movies and is intentionally made bad that I like, of course. <laughs> um, Tom Waits, I remember um, he was, um, people say he was the, um, he his Tom Waits' voice was the voice that Heath Ledger used for the Joker role in The Dark Knight. Hmm. Um, and if you watch ever watch interviews with uh, Tom Waits in like the late uh, the early two thousands or late nineties, he sounds exactly like the Joker, and that's a, a fun thing to kind of look at sometimes. 
<laughs> Anyways, that's Tom Waits. Um, next up, we here we have uh, Monica Belushi playing Dracula's Bride. Um, she was in the movies um, Melina in the year 2000. The year 2000. And Spectre in 2015. And Tears of the Sun in 2003. That was really underrated movie, Tears of the Sun. I, I've never seen it. And I've heard good things. So. But you own it. I, of course I do. Of course I do. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I take that for granted. Um, and we have a ton of other people in the cast there, too. But I'm going to cut it a little bit short just for time's sake here. Um, let's see here. I'm going to move on to some of the um, awards for the show here. We have some awards here. Um, we have the 2020 awards in 2013. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where the film won um, Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and Best Sound Effects. Next up here, we have the uh, International Monitor Awards in 94, where it won the Best Theatrical Release. Then in the 1993 ASCAP Film and Television Music Awards, it had the top box office films, um, won the the ASCAP Award, the the ASCAP Award, were the best foreign, best top box office film. There we go. In 1993, it also won the Academy Award for Best Makeup and Best Effects Design and Best Costume Design. Next up in 93, we had the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, where it won the Best Director, Best Writing, related to, um, awarded to James V. Hart, Best Costumes, and Best Horror Film. Also, Best Actor, related to Gary Oldman, and Best Supporting Actor to Anthony Hawkins. Or Hawkins, as I've been saying. <laughs> then in 93, we also have the Chicago Film Critics Association Awards, where it won the Best Cinematography. And let's see here. In 93, it also had the Jupiter Award for Best International Actress related to, um, awarded to Wyona Ryder. Then for the Awards Circuit Community Awards in 92, it had the award for Best Costume Design, Best Production Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling. And 92, it also won for the Fangoria Chainsaw, Chainsaw Awards. It won the award for Best Actor related to Gary Oldman and Best Supporting Actor related to Anthony Hawkins. Hopkins. And that is... Hopkins, Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins. He, he killed vampires. That's what Anthony Hopkins did. Next up, we have some technical details of the film. This is a 128-minute film, or 155 minutes for the original cut. And for the color film, this is a color film. Aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1. And that's the technical details right there. Um, let's see here. Uh, looking at other facts here. We have the um, some filming locations here where it was in the St. Sophia Greek Orthodox Cathedral um, in Los Angeles, California. The Culver City, California. Los Angeles, California. Um, Sony Pictures Studio in Culver City, California. And the Universal Studios in Universal City, California. Filming dates. This was filmed between October 14th, 1991 and January 31st, 1992. So that gives I believe, a three-month production time of actually... Um, you know, getting in the production stuff like that. But that's all the film stuff we have for Dracula on that end for the technical details and release date info. Kyle. Jimbo, take it from me. No. Oh, yeah, a question. Give me the synopsis of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. The synopsis for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> yeah, the legendary Keanu Reeves, sorry. Um <laughs> is sent to um, uh, facilitate a deal of purchasing land for a rich aristocrat and this goes to Transylvania to find him and finds out it's the legendary Dracula and begins suspecting he's a vampire and the vampire proceeds to try and um, seduce and take over his wife and they go on a journey to try and kill him and Anthony Hawkins go on a journey to try and kill a vampire that's the synopsis of <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula very well done Kyle good job <laughs> proud of you thank you yeah a lot of the uh people uh for this cast was actually because winona Ryder suggested them um because she originally saw the script and it was going to actually be made into a television movie uh, which was going to be directed by michael apted uh but she took the script to francis ford coppola and or coppola and uh but she hadn't spoken to him since they filmed godfather three or whatever since she had to withdraw from that earlier um due to exhaustion um, and she mentioned the script for the movie, and he agreed to make the movie. And App did stay on as the executive producer, so I thought that was very interesting. But uh, something that's really interesting about this movie is the special effects, because Francis Ford Coppola was insistent that he didn't want to use any kind of elaborate special effects for this or computer trickery while making this movie. He initially was given a standard visual effects team, but they told him the things he wanted to achieve were impossible. 
without using modern digital technology. Uh, Coppola disagreed with them and fired them, replacing them with his 29-year-old son, Roman, um, who was set about uh, to achieve some of the special effects by using old-school cinematic uh, history. Or trickery, sorry. Um, in the 2007 special edition DVD, uh, in, the, in, the, in the camera, the naive visual effects of Bram Stoker's track of the featurette and the Heart of Darkness article from Cinefax Magazine, which is also found on the DVD, you can see some of those. Um, but a lot of the examples are, uh, I'm not going to list them because there's way too many, so I suggest you, I'll, I'll mention a few of them, but I mean, this is like a page and a half of notes of the things, so... Um, like was that, he succeeded. He like, right. did an incredible job. Well, like sitting on the train on his way to Transylvania, Harker is looking at a map which appears superimposed on his face, which basically was the lie effect was achieved simply by projecting the image of the map onto Keanu Reeves' face on set. In the same scene outside the window, Dracula's eyes mysteriously appear, and Reeves uh, are in the sky watching Harker as he travels. This was achieved by combining three separate shots. First, the shot of Gary Oldman's eyes uh, was done while him wearing special makeup. So only his eyes would be visible when the image was projected onto the sky backdrop. The next shot involved the projection of the eyes onto the backdrop of the Carpathian Mountain set, making it appear that the two eyes are appearing in the sky. And then a shot was taken of Reeves uh, sitting in the train with a combined background eye shot projected through the window. So there's uh, no special effects, and there's only one time, and I think that's when the blue flames uh, you see on the ground when the carriage passes over it, which I'll get to later in the notes. So, But there's a lot more stuff that he did. So, yeah, a lot uh, of incredible work for the special effects. Definitely check out, if yeah. you have the DVD, check out those special effects and featurettes or find them on YouTube and watch them. Because uh, that's what I do with a lot of the movies that we cover is, uh, like, I'll watch the movie, then I'll watch it with the director's commentary on just so you can see what they were thinking at the time yeah. or find special featurettes about and the I, movie. I wish more films didn't want that. A lot of modern movies just don't even bother with special features at all. Yeah. Well, when Coppola did the uh, uh, director comment- commentary, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. he did it in English and Italian. So awesome. that's pretty that's crazy. Great. Classy. Yeah. Classy. Uh, during pre-production of the movie, uh, Coppola came up with the idea that when in the presence of being such as a vampire, the laws of physics don't work correctly. That is why shadows often act independently of the figures casting them, and why rats can uh, run upside down on, on the ceiling, and why liquids drip up. Um, that's something I noticed in this movie, is the shadows, like especially Dracula's shadow. Mm. Uh, it's really creepy how they did it. Uh, yeah. Really well done. Yeah, it just yeah, it goes like Dracula breaks reality around him in a really right. cool way, and I, yeah, I, I love that because it does like it does add to the horror of like what it's like his shadows just trying to strangle yeah. him, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Not like that. Uh, costume designer Iko Ishioka uh, won an Oscar for this movie. She had never seen Dracula prior to this um, uh, being hired for this movie. Uh, she was initially hired as the art director, but when producer and director uh, saw some of her costume sketches, he immediately asked her to work as their costume designer. Oh, awesome! And he wanted he wanted the budget. Uh, he wanted the sets where it was just going to be really dark and just minuscule props. He wanted the budget to go into the costumes, but the they said no. We uh, we want full sets. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. he just wanted to have shadows and stuff and just very minimal stuff on the set. But they were like, no, we need we need sets. Um, he, uh, Coppola considered at one point giving this movie the title D to distinguish it from its previous Dracula adaptations. So, uh, Prince Vlad's scream as he drives his sword into the cross is not the voice of Gary Oldman. Lux Interior, lead singer of the punk band The Cramps, recorded the scream and it was dubbed in. Oh, wow. That's a cool little fun fact there. I had no idea. Right. Sadie Frost dyed her hair, or her brown hair red after concerns that she resembled Winona Ryder too much. Uh, I wouldn't say she resembles Winona Ryder too much, but I do understand that's good for the film just to set a difference of them. Like, they had different hairstyles, so it works out better that way. Right. Otherwise, it would have been confusing at some point, you know. So, in order to get more emotion from uh, Winona Ryder, uh, when she was filming the scene with uh, Van Helsing, uh, when he catches uh, Mina with uh, Dracula... He started shouting whore and slut out right over to elicit a reaction from her. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just, 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 you know, as long as there's, you know, the more, you know, consent to that, I guess it makes sense. It's just like, yeah. Uh, uh, Sir Stir An- them up to get them right. for the scene. You know? Sir Anthony Hopkins also plays Cesar, the priest who tells Dracula that Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth's soul is uh, doomed and he provides the voiceover sequence during the narrative for the captain of the Demeter. 
Red jelly was used for the blood, Kyle. Red jelly used for the blood. Cool. Yeah, no, there's like a little stuff there. <laughs> Kyle be like, where's the peanut butter? Where's the peanut butter? Red jelly, peanut butter, whipped cream. Get it uh, done. Come on, Dracula. You know how to feast. Get dessert time. Earnings from this movie were enough to save Zotrope, which is the producer and director's studio, from bankruptcy after suffering from financial difficulties and liabilities of over $27 million over the past three years. Wow. So just from this one movie alone. That's insane. Okay. Uh, when Mina recalls her previous life, um, she tr- she also remembers a land beyond a great forest. Land beyond the forest is literally the meaning of Transylvania. Yeah. Amongst the moving picture displays in the scene where the prince and Mina first converse in a shadow, uh, is a, a shadow figure depicting the battle between Vlad's army and the Turks. So it's a nice little callback to the beginning of the movie. They more start black or stuff, yeah. The first choice to play Rimfield, but was turned down, was none other than legendary actor Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Buscemi? Buscemi. Buscemi, Buscemi. Potato, potato. You say, yeah, you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> um, Coppola had openly criticized his own reasoning for casting Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. According to him, he needed a young, hot star that would connect with the female moviegoers. They were right. <laughs> Uh, the painting of Count Dracula, which Jonathan Harker mentions after his arrival at the castle, is a self-portrait of Albert Durer, a German painter from 1471 who lived to 1528, but with Gary Oldman's face on the young count. The painting also served as inspiration for another vampire's author writings, Anne Rice, though she used it for her vision of a non-vampire character, that of last year, the spirit that haunts a family of witches in her series, The Lives of the Mayfair Witches. Oh, wow. Uh, Mina walks past an advertisement for the Lyceum Theater and Henry Irving. Dracula author Bram Stoker managed the Lyceum, and Sir Henry is rumored to be one of the primary inspirations for the character of Count Dracula. Oh, Bram Stoker, yeah. How about stuff about him, has him as an author, like, you know, speculation that he possibly had syphilis or that he was a homosexual or something like that, too? Like, how, like his fear of intimacy, like, led to a lot of the inspirations for how he wrote Dracula and stuff like that, too. I don't know how you got any more in your notes down there, but a lot of interesting stuff about, like, yeah, the, of course, the original inception of, you know, vampires came from him, so right. interesting to see. Um, let's see here. Oh, at the first uh, cast meeting uh, called by uh, the producer and director, he got all of the principal actors and actresses to read the entire Bram Stoker novel out loud to get a feel for the story. According to Sir Anthony Hopkins, it took two whole days to complete. No, no problem. I, I, even I, I, I did look up the audiobook. I haven't listened to it myself yet, but I looked up it. was like 17 hours long. So yeah. Like, yeah, at least two days to finish the book. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I think Lucy did a really good job in this movie, um, Sadie. Uh, the, but the little girl who played the child who was carried to the crib by Lucy was genuinely terrified of Sadie Frost and her vampire makeup <laughs> and obviously wasn't expected to do more than one take. Producer and director Francis Ford Coppola and Sadie had to do a lot of sweet talking to the child in order to get her back in Sadie's arms for another go at the scene. <laughs> that's right. That's, that, that's a sign you're making a good movie at right. that point. Yeah. Uh, the scene where uh, to get Lucy back into her coffin in the underground crypt was shot in reverse to give it an eerie quality, which was pretty pretty creepy. Effective, yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman was drunk the night that they filmed the scene where they had to lick the blood from Keanu Reeves' straight razor. Remember when he cuts himself and he's mm-hmm. ah. Uh, But it was also filmed at midnight, which adds to the spirit of the scene and helped put the cast in the proper mood. The mindset. (laughs) Yeah. Spooky. Um, To keep the budget manageable, Columbia Pictures insisted that this movie must be shot in Los Angeles and not on location. I I remember there was a lot of things like Francis Ford Coppola, of course, wants to be authentic to everything he does. I'm sure he wanted to go down there, but like, no. All right. These are people who auditioned for part of Dracula. Are you ready? Tell me. I want to know if you think that they would have been good or not. Dracula. Andy Garcia. Yes. Uh, but he had concerns over the number of sex scenes in it. So, uh, Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. I don't recognize that name. Uh, you probably don't know that one either. Antonio Banderas. They would be oh, cool. yeah. That would have been awesome. Vigo Mortison. Oh, that's and, great. And you have my steak. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, Banderas did go on to play the vampire character Armand in an interview with the Vampire of the Vampire Chronicles. Uh, here later on, I'll, I'll give you the list of who um, Coppola had a list of who we wanted to play Dracula. His short list for yeah. those actors. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. So the blue flames on the road to the castle are detailed mentioned in the book, which I can testify they are. In the novel, it is explained that on one night every year, blue flames are seen over areas containing hidden treasures. 
In the scene from the novel, Harker's coach driver stops several times to place rocks over the mismarkers in order to find them in the daytime and possibly dig up the treasure. That's why. Um, Dracula's final kabuki dress was directly inspired by a Gustav Klimt painting known as The Kiss. Liam Neeson was considered for and very much wanted the role of Van Helsing. But Sir Anthony Hopkins, who was still riding the coattails of his successful movie, Thank Silence you. of the Lambs, showed interest and they were like, yeah, Neeson, you're, Anthony <laughs> you, Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. you're out. Yeah. You know, we're going to catch you. Like, like Liam Neeson a lot, but you can't, you're not going to win against fight against Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> uh, the front of Gary Oldman's hairline was shaved for makeup purposes to resemble Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. That, that's, and that's, I don't know if it's ever grown back because I think every movie yeah, I see, but he has that little, it's a little further right back. There. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. They wouldn't have to. You know, if they just waited 10 years in Luke's movie, they would have been fine. Uh, uh, the director, Coppola, had Richard Grant, who was Jack Seward, Carrie Ewells, who was Lord Arthur Holmwood, and Billy Campbell, Quincy P. Morris, embarked on a series of adventures, including horseback riding and hot air ballooning, to build the camaraderie between the three. Wow. That's really All right, here's the, eli- the original list of possible actors to play Dracula. Are you ready? Yes okay. or no, Kyle? Here we go. The original list of actors to play Dracula. That, that he okay. wanted to play Dracula okay. on the short list. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, would have been amazing. Alec Baldwin. No. <laughs> Jason no. Patrick. I uh, don't remember the name. Aiden Quinn. Don't remember the name. I think he could have pulled it off. Christian Slater. <laughs> I, w- I think he would have been a better. I, I, he would have been a better Harker. I think. I think. Yeah, I think it would have been a cool Harker. Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I see him as Dracula. Nicholas Cage. You know, it's a different movie, but there movie is a movie coming out with him as Dracula. I heard, but I, I don't know. I have never heard anything about that. Yeah, that I have to show great, it to you. Do you haven't seen the pictures of him in it? No, I've not seen. I'll have to show it to Dracula you. Dracula Nicholas Cage sounds great. Um, or any vampire Dracula Cage. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Hugh Grant. Ooh, that'd be cool. Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett. No. Ray Liotta. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Go for it. Yes, Ray Liotta. Sting. Sting. <laughs> The musician. Or the wrestler. Either one. Take your yeah, pick, Kyle. Both. <laughs> Dueling roles. Every other scene. <laughs> Switch. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Ooh, that would be cool. Here you go. What about this one? I know you're going to say yes. Alan Rickman. Of course. <laughs> He's like, oh of God, course. Alan Rickman would devour that movie. Um, so, the costume designer, Iko Ishioka, was from Japan. And because the costumes had the kabuki theater-like appearance, Gary Oldman's wig maker... And hair designer Stuart Ardingstall studied traditional kabuki uh, and geisha hairstyles and incorporated them into her unique and elaborate designs. Each wig was built, taking many hours of painstakingly working to thread each hair in a base individually as is done in traditional opera companies. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, Hair by hair? Hair by hair. Man, just hope you get paid by the hour. Of work, <laughs> you know, just nonstop. Get paid by the hour, not the wig. I hope putting it together. That's insane. Can you imagine? I though? love it though. That's great. But can you imagine? I couldn't How do tedious it. Tedious that would be, especially oh if God. I had to have like the big magnifying glass oh, and yeah, all that. Yeah, no, you gotta have skull pictures, everything. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Uh, this is a great. You're gonna love this one too. So, uh, Coppola explains on the DVD commentary that Mina and Harker's wedding was a reshot uh, shoot done at Los Angeles. Greek Orthodox Church, which you mentioned in your locations. They filmed the entire ceremony with a genuine Romanian Orthodox minister and realized afterwards that Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves may have really been married to each other. Uh, Not in any legal sense, but under the eyes of God. As Ryder claims, Reeves has since confessed that he often gets text messages from Ryder that reads, Hello, husband, and that they're both completely fine with it. That's great. That's good. That's good. So preview audiences um, are allegedly to, are alleged to have found this movie too gory. So twenty five minutes of footage was removed to make it less bloody. So I'd really like to see the twenty five minutes to see what we're missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it can it can change the film in some way too. I remember like I, I went and watched the, the the extreme cut of RoboCop with all of the gore still placed in because it was on Amazon Prime for like a week. <laughs> And that changed the film immensely because now it went to full absurdity where it was very funny. Um, but like the original cut is a lot more serious because of that. One of the very few Dracula movies, as in the novel, where Dracula begins as a white-haired old man and becomes younger as he feeds on blood. His appearance as an old man has changed, however. In, in the novel, he is described as a tall old man, clean-shaven, uh, save for a long white mustache, and clad in black from head to foot without a single speck of color about him anywhere. In this movie, he wears a long red robe, is of average height, and does not have a mustache. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's just for the reality of the film. <laughs> you know. uh, Diamanda Gales provided vocal effects for the Three Brides of Dracula. Um, Coppola included Bram Stoker's name at the title because it's his tradition of putting the author's names in the titles of movies that are adapted from uh, novels such as Mario Puzo's The Godfather and John Grisham's The Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, others have claimed, however, that Stoker's name uh, was included in the title to avoid legal action from Universal Studios, who claimed to own the rights to the simple title Dracula. Ah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Coppola and a special effects team consulted with a professional magician to achieve the effects of Dracula's brides rising up from the bed. Uh, Coppola also noted on the DVD commentary that although the three actresses playing Dracula's brides have agree- had agreed to appear nude in the movie... Everybody on the set was too timid to ask them to take off their clothes before filming their scenes. <laughs> Coppola told his son Roman to ask them, but yeah. Roman didn't want to do it either, so he asked another crew member to do it. Full vampire By makeup. Way, do you like, think yeah. you can take the clothes off? Hello, scary um, ladies. Can you take off your clothes? Just so everybody me? knows, this is an R-rated movie. There is a lot of nudity in it. A lot of violence, uh, yes. A lot of violence, yeah. So, certainly an adult film. <laughs> um Producer and director Coppola says in the 2007 Collector's Edition DVD audio commentary that the Arabian Nights book over which Mina and Lucy are giggling has went missing. So Ooh. somewhere, somebody has that copy of Arabian Nights. Oh, cool. All right. I want it's not that. in my library or my yeah, collection yeah, yeah. here. I, I'd love it's, to have it. Don't so worry. So if anybody has it and wants yeah. to send it to I me, haven't seen it, I will gladly I, take yeah, it. I haven't seen it, but I definitely own it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, miniatures were used extensively in this movie. Examples can be seen where Dracula drops Mina off in the carriage. The house behind the gate is a miniature model. Also, when Mina looks out the window at Carfax Abbey, where the men go there to sanitize Dracula's crates of soil... The Abbey is a miniature model uh, in this shot. So, nice uses of miniature models. Effective, effective, yeah, effective works there. Effective practical effects. Really impressive stuff. Yeah, Prince Four Couplet. Great director. Again, turns out. on the DVD audio commentary that during the shaving scene, the walls of the set gradually move inward to create a subliminal growing sense of claustrophobia. It's red. Cool no, too. like, you're, right. you're, you're, yeah. <laughs> cool. Like, um, you are in danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You have nowhere to escape. In the scene where Count Dracula serves Jonathan Harker dinner at his arrival at the castle, the Count mentions his uh, ancestors were members of the Order of the Dracul. There was an actual Order of the Dracul, which means dragon, an order of chivalry fighting against the Ottomans and the Balkans in the 1400s. Vlad Tepes, or Tepes, on whom the character of Dracula was loosely based, was known as Draculia, which means son of the dragon, as his father was a member of this order. Oh, wow. Historical stuff, and just kind of like feeds into that more of that that red imagery. I love his armor in the beginning of the film. The girl's armor, like that that pure red, looks just like, like blood. Yeah, it looks like blood. But also looks like a yeah. dragon. You know, like and he cuts into that. Also, that that demonic imagery that like Dracula has too. Right. Uh, despite being the love interest for Count Dracula, Mina never actually says Dracula's name. Uh, the name Dracula is borrowed from Vlad the Impaler, but the character of Dracula is never identified as being Prince Vlad in Bram Stoker's novel, which I can attest to. There's no mention that he's Vlad the Impaler. Uh, though he does identify himself as Prince Vlad in this movie, the historical Vlad lived in the 15th century. So that's something that they took liberty to add into the movie. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to because I got a whole list of what they've added. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder did not get along at uh, well at all during this film. The rest of the cast was shocked because the two had been friendly during rehearsals, then came back from a break in the schedule seemingly hating each other with no indication given, <laughs> then or later, as to what happened. Uh, Keanu Reeves has said years after this movie came out that he wasn't happy with his work in it, stating he had been exhausted from making several movies right on the hills of signing on as Jonathan Arker, and that he tried to raise his energy for the role, but... I just didn't have anything left to give, he said. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, people have made fun of them, too, for their poor English yeah. <laughs> attempts at English accents in this movie. Um, at one point during filming, a double was used to portray the Wolf Beast version of Dracula when Gary Oldman suffered an allergic reaction to the makeup. Um, the Wolf Beast stuff, too. Like, and then when every knowledge, like, you know, like, uh, like, Historical like fiction like that, like they did a lot of uh, mixing between the werewolf and vampires mythos and legend of that kind of stuff too. And I'm interested to see that in this film still be represented so well, and I really appreciated that too. Well, we'll get um, to some of that in what's in the book here in a minute. Oh, what's in the book? Right. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, Jonathan Harker asks why Count Dracula has purchased his houses in specific locations—a question that is never answered in this movie. 
The explanation given in the book is that the 50 boxes of Transylvanian Earth was distributed throughout Dracula's house and locations surrounding London so that Dracula would have many places to rest and regain his strength at daybreak, during which Dracula may rest only in either a coffin or the earth of his homeland. Yeah, planning his method of attack, you know. Right. He's feasting grounds. Yep. 50. 50 crates. And it's a question of like, you know, like getting younger and younger and younger. How young could he get? Could there be like a baby Dracula? Are we going into uh, what, the curious case of Benjamin Dracula? Yeah, curious case of Benjamin Dracula. Exactly, exactly. Like, how young can he get? But that was really cool. I really liked that uh, scene with the ship where you see him, you know, he's killing the people in his. his Mm-hmm. Bodies regenerate. Oh yeah, like, that's really cool. Too. And you know what? When he actually does get to England, mm-hmm. and I, I, I thought it was Johnny Depp there for a minute when he had them little round glasses on. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. he, I could see Johnny Depp playing it. Yeah, I remember like it was in middle school. Actually, I've seen the chapter specifically of the boat ride between him going first going to England and then like the um, as like the captain like suspecting that he's cruising, he picked off one by one by one. And that, I love that whole chapter. Mm-hmm. I've read that chapter um, separately from the rest of the book and like really cool. The ghost ship at the end. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman hired a singing coach to help him lower his voice by an octave to give him, uh, help give him Dracula a more sinister quality. Drew Barrymore was considered for the role of Mina Murray. Drew Barrymore. Could have done an amazing job. I think oh, she great, great Coppola wanted Johnny Depp to play Jonathan Arger, but the studio wanted someone who was more of a mainstream heartthrob. Boy, I wonder if they would have known now what they know didn't know then. Yeah, if they, they would have changed their mind, or or doubled down. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Sheen auditioned for the role of Jonathan Harker. <laughs> cool, good for him. <laughs> the thought that counts. Oh man, Sadie Frost was nervous about shooting the ravishment scene, so Francis Ford Coppola asked Gary Oldman to talk to her. According to Frost, Oldman started whispering to get her in the uh, in her ear to get her in the mood. Nobody knows exactly what was said, but Coppola was amused when he found out. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie was released to coincide with the 95th anniversary of the release of the novel and with the 80th anniversary of the death of Bram Stoker. Oh, wow. Uh, Michael Keaton was considered for the role of Dracula as well. Which would have been interesting. Michael Keaton playing Dracula. That, that seems absurd to me, but like it's also Michael Keaton, so he could probably do it. That's what I said. You know, it, you would like to see the range of some of these actors. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think it would be it'd How be far could they really go? Right. right. And I don't know. You know. You know. So in an interview in a magazine in 2013, they asked Winona Ryder about her relationship with Gary Oldman on the set of this movie. And she said it was just some teen drama. Since Ryder was young then, and I said that Oldman was a good friend of hers now, so I guess they made up, so that's good. That's good. According to an extra on the movie set, during the scene where Dracula first arrives in London and he and Mina meet on the street, there was some difficulty getting Winona Ryder to give the appropriate response to seeing him for the first time. So, what does Gary Oldman do? Gary Oldman grabbed a zucchini off a vegetable cart that was part of the street scene and held it behind his back. When Mina was across the street... He then flashed it in front of his groin when she turned around to look at him, which elicited the reaction Francis Ford Coppola was after. Brilliant acting. Brilliant, brilliant okay. man. That is why Gary Oldman gets the money he does. Uh, Gary Oldman said that when he first read the script, he decided it would be worth doing the movie just so he could feel what it would be like to say, I've crossed oceans of time to find you. <laughs> Oh, man. Gary Oldman and Coppola sometimes publicly clashed with each other on the set over creative choices, especially the appearance of young Dracula in the movie. Uh, the song heard that is heard during the end credits is Love Song for a Vampire by Annie Lennox. Annie Lennox. Cool. Um, during the impelling scenes, which I've noticed this when I watched it, uh, figures in the background that are you can see skewered on spikes or pikes. Um, there is one shadow that is clearly the outline of none other than Nosferatu. His long fingers and mishap, uh, misshaped head make him stand out. This is clearly an homage to the first track of the film adaptation ever made. So, you know, homage or possibly an insult. Like, oh yeah, we skewered the other guy. Don't worry. We, you know, we're getting the actual Dracula here. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, oh, here you go. Gary Oldman said during a 2014 interview, I used to have this little office on Melrose and people would come and try to find me. An attractive young woman came in one day with a tattoo of Dracula on her breast and wanted my my signature over it. Then she went and had my autograph tattooed. I was cool with that. <laughs> it's a hard job you got, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I, you know, I this is... Dracula's castle is modeled after painting The Black Idol by, in 1903 by Frantissa Kupka. 
This one here is something I'm debating whether to throw in the podcast. Uh, so if you have young children, you may want to uh, skip forward about like, 45 seconds because like, you know, it's an interesting thing that uh, Coppola wanted to have done. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read it and, and then I'll get your reaction to I, it. We'll say, say, say the movie's good, guys. If you want to end the podcast right here, that's okay. But we're gonna continue on to this section. Sadie now. Frost recalled that when director's assistant said the hairdresser was arrived for her. She replied she didn't need him. Then the woman's expression didn't change if she had been expecting this response. Oh, but it's not the hair on your head he's here to style. She said, pointing downwards, because of the nude scenes, the studio require you to be styled a certain way, and he knows that in England, the ladies don't shave and clip down there. But over here, we need to keep it small and tidy. I locked myself in the bathroom and digested this news. Then I inspected my full hair grown down there. I was shocked to think that anyone uh, would want it any other way than the way it was, natural. In London in those days, people didn't mess about with it at all. Suddenly, I felt embarrassed by my natural growth. It seemed like anything that I had done or that I had got wrong. The martini was blurring my vision and making me feel dizzy. I gripped the basin, knowing I had to go back to the lounge and continue to be Lucy Westerna. But I knew I wasn't her. Not really. Yes, maybe with the booze and the good-looking movie stars, but was I up to it? Pull yourself together and get back out there. You've got a role in a Francis Ford Coppola movie, and if he wants you to live in character, then you go uh, well and do it. If he wants you to jump, you jump. And if he wants you to shave your tush, you just do it. Shave your tush. So, <laughs> very... Okay, that's not nearly as dark as I thought it was. <laughs> no, but... That's very... Man. You know, when you sign up to do a movie like that, yeah, there's just... a lot of unthinkable things you get asked to do sometimes, and you don't realize, like, oh, that was a line for me I didn't realize I wasn't ready to cross you. Right, you know, yeah. Those kind of things. Like, but I yeah, wonder yeah. if it was something that was said after she had signed on for the... If she could have fought that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just you my know, personal don't opinion. Know. Yeah, yeah. Or if something um, like, why, why, why do you need to fight? Like, this shouldn't be a thing that needs to be fought over. It's like, you can either do what you want to do or don't. Like, it's not a big deal either way. Uh, it shouldn't be a deal breaker. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. they should ask the wig maker to... To stitch a wig for <laughs> stitch a wig for the yeah <laughs> all right let's you're move on for this just right for this uh, like the whole movie's ruined <laughs> you know the critics all say the movie's fantastic except for this one but, scene where the pubic hair is not quite right but you, but you know what <laughs> watching this movie I don't think I remember seeing I don't that. remember seeing pubic hair in the movie at all no so I whatever. I didn't commit the pubic hair memory surprisingly enough yeah. against Francis Coppola's wishes I wasn't looking at it <laughs> unless that's in the extreme. The extreme 25-minute cuts. Cut, that's yeah, all deleted. 25 it's, minutes. It's all You know what the, the, the worst part is? It's probably it's a deleted scene. <laughs> it didn't even make the movie. <laughs> all right. Uh, in the scene where the heroes burst in on Dracula and Mina, Dracula turns into a bat-like creature and frightens the heroes out of their wits. Gary Oldman's had problems with this scene, feeling constricted in the suit and not very scary. Uh, Coppola told him to whisper something scary into each cast member's ear, which Oldman did with relish. No one knows what he said to them, but they all look absolutely terrified in the scene. That's fantastic. I, I don't want to talk to him, but just say, Gary what Oldman you, was torturing what? everyone in this movie in I the best it. way possible. Yeah. <laughs> in a way that I can't help but love him. <laughs> uh, producer and director Coppola screened this movie for a close friend, none other than legendary George Lucas. George Lucas. <laughs> who suggested that, in adherence to the vampire mythology, Mina should decapitate Dracula as the ultimate release for him to reach heaven. Coppola agreed and shot it three weeks before the movie's release. Oh, wow. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three before weeks. it was released. That's insane. Okay. Um, it is never officially stated why Dracula is going to England in the first place, um, in the novel or in the movie. Presumably, yeah. he had discovered that Mina is the reincarnation of Elizabeth uh, at some point, and he is making effort to travel there. Also, the reason for why he has brought various properties in London is not officially stated, as we said. But basically... Kyle said they're safe houses where you can regain his strength uh, for the vampire lord. So, Kyle, now I'm going to go into the details of the book versus the movie. Every way Coppola's movie deviates from Bram Stoker's novel. Um, This has been called the definitive film adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel, and here's a way it deviates. Um, The movie has gained a really big cult following. Um, this was a article from Screen Rant, uh, which was published September 18, 2020 by Jessica Beebe. So, uh, really well done, what she did here. So, here we go. Despite the huge popularity of 1992's Dracula, some critics, especially avid horror readers, have shot down the movie from deviating from its source material. 
The most notable difference is that in the book, Dracula as an old man bears some of the resemblance to Vlad the Impaler, but no clear connections are ever drawn between them. In the movie, Van Helsing concludes that Dracula is Vlad the Impaler and that he has become immortal after becoming a vampire. So that's mm. one. Another difference concerns the characters of Jonathan Harker, or the character of Jonathan Harker. In the book, Harker escapes Dracula's castle after the vampire departs for England. In the 1992 movie, though, he's kept captive in the castle by Dracula's vampire bride to periodically drink his blood before he's finally able to escape. Another deviation concerns the character of Mina. In the book, Dracula forces her to drink his blood, but in the movie, he leaves the decision up to her. Also in the book, Mina does not fall in love with Dracula as she does in the movie. Instead, she is consumed with hatred for him over how he has terrorized her, and she fights hard to stay loyal to her husband. Another big change comes at the end of this movie, or at the end of the movie, where Jonathan Harker and character Quincy Morris are unable to reach Dracula's coffin before sunset. So Dracula breaks free for a final struggle. In the book, they have an easier time chasing down the coffin successfully uh, before stabbing Dracula's heart and beheading him. <coughs> Excuse me. Dracula, uh, also in the book, Dracula instantly dies and turns to dust. While in the movie, Mina must put Dracula out of his misery uh, in an added romantic plot point. <coughs> I gotta Excuse say, me. I gotta say, Jim, all these changes I'm here like make it a better story and a better film in many respects um, from these from these things. Like we're not done yet. Okay, okay, we're not done yet. But I know as we go, I'm just saying, like mostly sound pretty good. An additional change is that while Bram Stoker's regular book described the character of Lucy as prim and proper, in the movie she is made out to be voracious, a harlot. Also in the book, it's not clear how Dracula became a vampire. Mm-hmm. In the movie, meanwhile, it's told that it happened after he won the war and lost his wife. What's more, Dracula clearly falls in love with Mina in the movie, thinking she's a reincarnation of his dead wife. But in the book, he doesn't seem to be capable of feeling love. And there is actually no romantic component to the story. The whole basis of the book, actually, is that Dracula is trying to spread his undead curse across England while the plot of the movie centers on his search for Mina. Hmm. <coughs> Man, I got something. I got a... Got a bug up in got there. Some of Dracula's dust in my throat. The cricula, you got the crickets in there. Um, the, this version of Dracula, they say, is most loyal uh, to the book. Or here's some stuff that where it is most loyal to the book. For one, Coppola kept Bram Stoker's use of multiple narrators, which we stated earlier, where the journal letters and newspaper clippings and all that. Um, so I thought that was really well done. He also stayed uh, faithful to the plot of the Russian ship, the Demeter. Uh, this one aspect of the story which sees an entire crew slowly get murdered except for the captain and says the ominous tone of the novel and the movie kept it into uh, the same ambience on screen. Additionally, Coppola and screenwriter James H. Ford decided to keep in some of Dracula's side characters who were usually left out of screen adaptations of the story, especially Arthur and Quincy, Lucy's lovers, are two of those characters that were featured in the film and their presence is up helping the movie maintain a romance-fueled theme. Why is Coppola's Dracula still so popular? Despite the ways in which the 1992 Dracula movie strayed from the novel, it's arguably the best adaptation of the novel in modern cinema. The romantic storylines Coppola added to the movie, especially between Dracula and Mina, draws in viewers and helps keep them on the edge of their seats. The movie puts them under the spell of Jonathan Harker and Dracula. It's, it is throwing the weight and see what will become of Mina. So here we go. Okay. You're getting ready. This is getting ready to be terrible. All right. Okay. Coppola's In Search of Dracula's Backstory was a welcome addition to the movie. In the book, Bram Stoker hinted that Dracula's vampire origins are unknown, while the movie satisfactorily draws an obvious connection between the Count and Vlad the Impaler. Still, some might argue that the mystery surrounding Dracula's origin story is what makes the original tale all the more scarier. But will Coppola's Dracula. It will always be a beloved classic in the horror genre, but is it possible to be knocked down a peg in the near future? I did some research on this. A new untitled Dracula adaptation from Blumhouse Productions is set to come out, directed by Karen Kusama. Kusama's credits include Destroyer, The Invitation, and Jennifer's Body. Matt Manfredi and Phil Hay are reportedly writing the script. What's more is Kusama's adaptation will reportedly be more faithful to the novel and she'll stray away from the romantic aspects that previous versions of the story has focused on in the past. Mm. Update. As of April 18th, of this year, it was killed one month before production was to start. Oh, wow. And what I had read about it, uh, I'm probably glad it did because it was going to be set in modern day Los Angeles. Oh, boy. Where 
Mm. Mina finds Dracula Mm-mm. in Los Angeles, and it was going to no. be titled. I think it was going to be called called Mina Harker. I She's think that died, was the name died, of it. Died. Yeah, I'm glad it got I, axed. I, then, I, if that's the case, I'll be honest. I had a red flag as soon as you said Blumhouse, but that's still that's just bad, right? <laughs> so there you have it, Kyle. And um, I'll have to find that Nicholas Cage Dracula picture and let you know. But while while I'm looking for that, give me your thoughts on. Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I think this movie is very, very good, and it's one of the cases again where, like, once again, reading what's going into the practical effects that Francis Ford Coppola put into the movie and all the other kind of work that went into the making of it, I'm all the more impressed by it. Where the movie goes from like good to kind of great in my mind, I think the movie is incredibly excellent. I think every performance is excellent. I love it to death. Wyona Ryder, the entire cast, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Keanu Reeves, legendary cast that I said beforehand. Um, absolutely fantastic. So I enjoy this film a great deal. I love it. I watch it multiple times and I think it's well worth watching. It's a required viewing for cinema fans in my mind. Alright, we're getting ready to get Kyle's reaction to seeing Nicolas Cage as Dracula on okay. the set of Renfield, which is in New Orleans. Hit me with it. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. What do you think? That is that is perfect. That is pure Keanu right there. That is that's that not is, Keanu. That, that, that's that, that, that is pure Nicholas Cage. I said Keanu. I know. I said it's pure Nicholas. Do you Cage. think he could pull it off? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, that's what Absolutely. I told you. Yeah, Nicholas Cage can do anything he wants ever. Yeah. Um, that is incredible. Nicholas Cage, love you to death. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. It could be good. Um, I haven't looked up with uh, it's coming out or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but Jimbo, how do you <sighs> feel about Bram Stoker's Dracula? How do you feel about the film? And the book now, actually, I guess. I'm loving the book. Uh, I, it takes me a while to read a book, so to say that I'm 75% in four days is really, really good. Um, the book keeps me entertained. I just I don't like that they threw in the whole love thing of Mina and Dracula in this movie. I think it could have been taken out, and it could have still been well done. I understand why they did it to... to uh, basically tell people why he's coming to England because it's never really sur- uh, told. And even in the book, you know, it's just saying that he wants to spread his undead is what you get from it. But why is why did he pick New England? Or, sorry, New England. England, out of all the countries, you know, why wouldn't he go somewhere else? You know what I mean? Or why did he have other uh, coffins shipped to other places? He was obviously rich because in the book, um, he crawls, uh, Harker crawls out, uh, his window into Dracula's bedroom, yeah. and there's piles of all kinds of currencies. There's Turkish money there. There's uh, Romanian money. There's Russian money. There's all kinds of uh, piles of gold in there. Yeah, and I think you're getting at the kind of the heart of it, a little bit, like like what makes for a more terrifying story versus what makes for a more compelling story. I think the love aspect getting added to this narrative makes it more of a compelling, entertaining story in that way. But the mystery, not having a love story, would have made it a more horrifying story of this monster. It has motives that are unknown to us. Exactly, that makes him scarier. Exactly. So, like, I think it's like depends. Like, okay, did you want a scary movie or do you want a more compelling movie? I think actually, I started with the more compelling part, where I think the compelling part was really, really good. But I think it would have been really scary. But I you, think. But it would have been. I think the scary is also an equal kind of like answer. Like, okay, the scary movie also would have been really cool in my mind too. And but but what I'm saying is, you could have still had the whole Dracula. I haven't got to it in the book yet, but you could still have the whole Dracula and Mina um, encounter Connection. that's yeah. coming mm-hmm. without it being oh, it's his long lost love that's reincarnated and and the connections that they tried to tie to Vlad the Impaler. I understand why they did it. But I wish they wouldn't have done it. I, I would yeah. have liked to seen like a, an actual book adaptation, just because I'm reading the book. Because the books are always better, you know this. Um, yes, I know. So, um, I, w- I would like to see a true adaptation of the book without the added benefits of what they did. Because obviously, it's a movie you have to add. Uh, you have to do what we call I would call fillers. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you just had somebody there reading a diary or a note, you know, it would be pretty boring. Even yeah, though you could yeah. do flashback scenes and all that. Um, did I like this movie? I think Gary Oldman did a fantastic job. Something else that's in the book that's different than this is when Lucy gets attacked by a wolf. It's actually a wolf that has escaped from the zoo, which is presumably under the mind control of Dracula. It's not Dracula himself. Um, so that's another difference there. Um, and that's something that, cause that turned into a, like a real weird sex scene. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, with the werewolf and, and Lucy on the, the cemetery 
yeah. slab. And I was like, what? You know, I and I understand that even in the 19, what was it, 30s, uh, Dracula, Bella Lugosi, there is a scene with uh, a wolf in it um, where, you know, I always thought it was just they turned into bats. You know what I mean? But there yeah. is... There is grounds for it where it actually become they they can become wolves, wolves werewolves, right? Or, yeah. So I don't want to harp on that too much, but it's it's just very. Uh, do I like the movie? <sighs> Not really, I would say. Um, I like the actors in it. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins is great as Van Helsing too, oh, except. Yeah. The part I didn't like when he was in there is when he's like, ha we're going and I'm going to chop off her head. <laughs> you know, he's just like all jolly really about excited. it. Like, like, yeah, it's like, uh, like, he's been waiting for the moment his whole life. Like, yeah. Yes. And then he's like, I don't know if he's drunk or he's just like, you know, happy, mm-hmm. really excited. Should be over some reason? Yeah. Right. Like, like, yeah. So, um, do I think it's, it's not my favorite incantation of Dracula? Uh, even though they say it's the closest to the book, which I can see just from what I've read up to the point to what the movie did. Mm. It's just I don't like that he took the liberties that he did with the movie to make it a love story out I of everything. That. Yeah, so, it's fair. Um, but yeah, the acting the acting was great. I just, you know, like the whole brides thing, um, you know, it's just when they shove nudity down your throat like that, it's, I understand they're supposed to be uh, enticing and, 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 you know. Yeah. It's just... It's, it's too much for me. I just... No, I understand. Know, so. Yeah. Well, um, there you have it. That's Bram Stroker's Dracula. Dracula. Kyle and I have once again decided to take on uh, October. We usually do a Universal Monsters uh, in addition to a weekly episode. So we are taking on four, at least four new Universal Monster movies that are lesser known. Uh, which is going to be exciting. I'm pretty excited because I don't know if I've ever seen, but maybe one of them that we're getting ready to, to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say it yet, just in case Kyle falls through and he doesn't do it. No. <laughs> uh, but time permitting, we are hoping to start releasing two episodes uh, a week for the month of October. One, a Universal Monster movie, and the other, a regular uh, scheduled broadcast. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yep. We'll see how it goes. Um, so we have a couple of movies planned up. One of them was a epic cinematic thing that we were going to try to record today. But when I found out oh it was three, three hours long and I made Kyle watch it, I didn't get to. So, but mm-hmm. we, will, we, we won't spoil that yet. So well, if you want to f- no. mm-hmm. follow us on the social medias at uh, thetragediacinema@gmail.com, uh, you can email us. Uh, you can follow us at the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast on Facebook, uh, Twitter. And Kyle, by the time this comes out, I want you to put your first TikTok up. Can you do it? First TikTok up, yes. We're actually going to do it right now. I'm gonna make you, we're going to be right here. Make TikTok and right now. Of mm-hmm. you eating breakfast or something. Yeah. So um, leave us a review if you want. Uh, we'll read it on the air. Good, bad. Uh, we, we take everything and take it in stride and react to it. We'll let it go. So thanks for listening. We love you guys. And I think this episode's coming to close. And that's a wrap. And cut. Thank you.